Welcome to WeChat Divorce, hosted by Karen Chalou, legal liaison, and Catherine Shanahan, CDFA. Each episode, we sit down with divorce professionals and industry experts to provide insights and frank discussions about real people, real situations, and real divorce to help you achieve your best life post-divorce. This episode of WeChat Divorce is brought to you by My Divorce Solution helping you secure your worth and protect your wealth in divorce. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I are so happy today to welcome Karen Millen, a certified professional divorce coach. In this episode, we're going to discuss the two things you must acknowledge to get you through divorce. But first, let's meet Karen. Karen is the author of an amazing divorce, What You Can Do for Yourself, for each other and for the children to achieve it. We'll talk about that book a little later in the podcast. Karen's also the host of the Heal In podcast, the place where you learn and get inspired to heal to achieve. She's on a mission to inspire and personally support ambitious individuals to tackle their roadblocks and heal to achieve and thrive personally, romantically, and in the business or professionally, especially after divorce. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. It's so nice to have you on here because, you know, that's a lot. You know, a lot of times people just don't know what's going on. They're either hit with divorce or they finally make the decision that they want to get a divorce and they really don't know what to do. They're running around on their emotions of what they think their sister got or what their friends got in their divorces. And they're thinking about their past careers and they want to do that. And how can they do it because they're older now? It's a very scary road ahead of them. And it's hard to focus on what you're supposed to be focusing on. It's great that you work in that area. Tell us about the work that you do. Yes, Catherine. I work on being very strategic about our divorce and about our life and who we are and who we want to be. I always start most sessions with, tell me about your dreams. Tell me about your vision. Who are you? Who do you want to be? What are your values? What are the 10 things that fire you up? who got you to go to college, got you to be who you are and raise your children the way they did. And so those are like, what do we want most in life? What matters to us? We talk about our obituary. Like if you knew that you were going to be alive for a year more or for two years, like take ownership. Like, who do you want to be? How do you want to spend this time? So that we can always have that guiding post as we then coach through all the ups and downs and all the decisions we need to make. Like, who are we? What are our values? So that we can make decisions that are based on our purpose, that are based on our integrity. That is sort of like the goal. And then what I really focus on is understanding each and every single roadblock that kept us stuck. That it kept us in a place that we didn't want to be, that kept us in an unhappy marriage, that kept us away from losing weight, that kept us away from asking for that promotion or that race, or that kept us away from launching the business of our dreams, or kept us away from standing up and demanding what we needed in our marriages, right? A lot of the time we focus on, he's such a jerk, and he's such a this, and he's such a that. It's like, what did you allow? And I think that may be the confusion on what do you actually want today? But what really do you want most in your life? And I, that's a really hard transition to make. Like for me, it's the weight loss thing. Okay, if you can give me a magic pill, I'll take it right now because I want it today. But really, do I really just want to be healthy 
which is really what I want. I just want to be healthy. So that's what I want the most. So what's the better way to do that? And like you said, we could bring that to any part of our life. Right. So in that situation, because weight loss is, is always comes up within divorce coaching, my forte is helping ambitious people get where they want to get after divorce. I do help through the divorce process, but my real core is like, okay, the divorce is done. What now? So weight loss, for example, every problem we have is a thought problem or a belief problem. So if you think you're fat, if you think you're unattractive, you're going to feel sad. So our thoughts guide our emotions and you're going to feel hopeless. And why bother? And why put makeup on? And why get our hair done? And why, why make that choice? And that leads to our actions or inactions and that leads to our results. So if we think our, about our weight, is more like, so let's think about that thought. I look unattractive or I, you know, I look fat. How true is that? Why is that? And that's where all the good things, like really understanding that thought and that roadblock. And it's like, you know what? I was miserable. I was going through a really hard time. I was doing it all on my own. I needed to have those cookies to make me feel better, right? And then what thought would you rather have? It's like, I'm a survivor. I, I did what I needed to do. I did that to cope. And guess what? We're not there anymore. We're not five years ago. We are now, he's not around. We have agency. We can do something else. It's really working to change that thought. Now, when you've had a thought for a very long time, it becomes a belief, right? And when you have beliefs, we then work to uncover that belief. So I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. And that's when we go back to, when did we feel this way before? Oh, through my marriage, you know, he kept commenting on my weight. And, and then through childhood, you know, in high school, in, in public school. And we really work on that negative belief and understanding what happened. How true was that? What, are, what were our circumstances? What were we going through? And it's about really then understanding that we're not there anymore. We're here now. We're in our 50s, we're in our 40s, we are ambitious women, we got degrees, we got a career started, we are strong, we're powerful. Who do we want to be? Do love we love that. ourselves? Are we worthy? And that is, that's why we read all these dieting books and we read all these how-to books and how-to, but if we don't change our beliefs and we don't change our thought, we can't do it because it has to start there. And it's changing that thought and that belief to I am worthy I am sexy. I'm a rock star that makes it. Let's eat like I'm a rock star. Let's eat like I'm worthy. Let's eat like I'm that. And then you are going to make those choices out of self-worth. Not because you have to, not because you should, not because your sister's eating salads every day. It's because you're worthy. So thrilled to hear this because I really would like to just change that thought process. And I know I'm the one that threw in the weight thing. And it's actually, I'm kind of thinking about where my problem started from. But um, <laughs> So anyway, this has been really great, but I don't want this to be all about me. So let's switch it to. Um, that was my that was my last podcast episode was that weight and appearance because you're not alone. Everyone goes through that. Yeah. So yeah, I love that. I'll have to listen to that one. So we see it a lot on the financial side. And, you know, nobody really likes to talk about emotional abuse in marriage because they think if it's just physical, that's where it's accounted for. And that's where you get your relief from whatever you want to call it. But emotional abuse is huge and it's rampant and it's really upsetting. But a lot of times we have people come to us and 
the women in particular, I hate to say that because it, it is on the man's side as well. So I'm not picking on any gender here, but they'll say, my spouse told me that that pension was never mine. I can't handle the money. I can't be trusted with the money. I don't know how to do the investments. I don't know how to handle this. So for all those years, we're talking about 20 years and plus marriages, they're coming in and they're saying, well, I don't have a pension. I don't have an IRA. My spouse said I can't have that. And I don't know how to handle money. And, it's, and a lot of times it's our high net worth clients. They don't know how to manage that. So it feels like their whole world is, is crumbling. And of course, our process puts them through a financial exercise. So they, we see them gain some confidence before they make decisions. But you must see that often after divorce, a lot of people must come to you and just have to redevelop their root of their problem with money or where their bad money story started. And how do you unravel that? So that's very, very common. And yes, what we do is that I try to understand every thought and every belief about money. So there's money. We're wealthy. We have investment portfolios, we have retirement plans, we have homes, we have our cottage, our cabin. What's the thought? And clients would say, I'm incapable of managing money. I have no experience. I have never had a voice. I don't know what I'm doing, right? And so in each session, sometimes we go through one thought or we go through all four, you know, two thoughts. So let's pick the thought, I don't know what I'm doing. So we go, it's like, how true is that? Well, I never managed the money. I never made investments. I don't know who our broker is. I don't know where our money is. I don't know. Okay. What do you know? It all comes out to like, I know how to run the house. I know how to manage this. I know where the kids, everything is. I manage their therapist. I manage this. And it sort of gives them that sense of self-worth. Like you're not an idiot. You can do this. You're not. And I'm like, where did that feeling come from? Where did you ever feel like you can't handle this? Oh, my whole life. My dad always told me that I wasn't a mathematician. My dad always said I wasn't good in math. My dad always, my mom, you know, my brothers were the smart ones. My, and, and so it's like, and how true was that? Oh, yeah, I did. Well, I actually was an A student and I'm actually this and I'm actually that. I'm like, so what thought would you rather have? It's all about thought. If we think we're incompetent, is we are going to feel bad about ourselves. We're going to feel sad. We're going to feel depressed. We're going to feel incompetent. And what are we going to do? We're going to delegate. We are going to uh, procrastinate. I'm not going to open that email. I'm not going to look at the investments. I'm not. What are the results? I feel like an idiot. So our thoughts create our emotions. Our emotions create our actions. And the results always validate that original negative thought. I'm not good with money. So what thought would you rather have? Because you're good at everything else. And you know why you're good at everything else? Because you invested the time, you invested the energy, you invested the, oh, wow, I'm smart. I'm capable. Man, if I was able to manage three kids and put them into college and now they're rock stars and they're getting jobs, I can do this. And if you can do this, how do you feel? Oh, I'm excited. So if you're excited, what are you going to do tomorrow? I'm going to call the broker. And what are you going to do? I'm going to write down, where our investments are, what vehicles, at what rates, I'm going to understand my money, right? Same thing happens with a home. I get a lot of high net worth clients who, I don't know if I want my ski chalet. So what's the thought that I'm going to lose connection with the children? So if you feel that way, how do you feel? Sad, depressed, what do you do? I delegate. It's been three years I can't make a decision on the ski chalet. The lawyers and the mediators are after me. My ex is so upset. I can't make a decision. What's the thought? 
how do you describe connection? How do you describe how else do you connect with your children? How, you know, so it really comes down to why is keeping the chalet important to you? I actually hate it. I don't want to carry the expenses. I don't want to worry about the snowplow and the, and the gardener and the this. How else can you not lose connection with your children? Well, we love to eat and we love to do this. And with that money, what could you do? We plan a trip to Tuscany and we, what do you want to do about this kitchen? I'm selling it. So every session is very results oriented. And it ends with what are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do next week? When are you going to let me know? And as a coach, I follow up. I'm also their cheerleader. I'm the, if they're not able to do it, we start the session with what happened? You know, what was the thought? I was scared of that. So then we work through that thought. We work through that belief so that decisions can get made so that you move forward and so that you achieve amazing results. So I'm going to guess that when a person comes to you for coaching and you ask the question for the first acknowledgement, what do you want now? And what they tell you probably changes once, twice, or three times during their work with you as to what I want now. Am I right about that? And that's interesting. I focus a lot on what they want most. And so, for example, when they are deciding whether to go to court or not to fight for an extra $2,000 a month, that's what they want now. If we talk about why is that important to you? What are you going without? What is that costing you in health, in emotion, in time, in opportunity cost of not investing in your business and growing your law practice or not you know, like really analyze it. And sometimes it is, I do need it. I need, I can't afford to do this without. And then, then that's the decision. It is worth going. But most of the time, my job is never to, I'm not an advisor. I never give advice. I never tell them what to do. I ask all the right questions so that the answer comes from them and that they have not missed anything. So what would your children want? Would they want mommy to be all stressed and emailing the lawyers all the time and going to court and fighting and now dad's not talking to me because da 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 da, you know? And they and then they talk about it and they decide. But yeah, no, most of the time it's sort of clear. Like my what I want now is more money. What I want now is usually money. And when they look at the impact to their entire life and they look at the impact of what they're not doing, and they look at the impact of if you knew you were going to die to, you know, in six months, what would you rather do? Would you rather? Yes. And if you need those 2000 for sure, right? Right. But if you don't, a lot of my clients have money, right? And it's like, what are you really fighting for? And it always goes down to respect, acknowledgement, appreciation. You know, we all need attention, affection, and appreciation. And that's interesting because, you know, we, as Karen mentioned, is that transformation often, and, you know, we see that transformation also with our own processes that we have worked so hard to develop because people need the confidence to move on in their lives. Right. But they're scared. And this divorce journey is so scary. And it's really hard to stay focused on really what's the difference between your needs now and your needs in the future. And sure, there are a lot of cases where they need some things now that they might not need in the future, but in an overwhelming amount of cases is what they want now is only what they're comfortable with, with what they understand, for example, the marital home. But when they come through our process and they get to see actually the components of their entire estate and what all and interpret that and understand what their options are, they might see now the house is more comfortable and that looks great. But if I negotiate something else away, will it really get me what I need most in life to move on? 
And so it's really interesting to talk to you and see the parallel between the processes that we've created in the financial world and the processes that you're doing, how they go hand in hand, which is really actually wonderful because we think that, right? So I'm sure you're thinking the same thing, Karen. It's like, wow, this is what we do on the financial side. And we don't give advice. I don't invest money anymore. So then they go to their financial planner or they go to their CDFA or we refer them to one. But we're just Mm -hmm. putting the awareness out there and giving them the confidence and the knowledge that they need to make really smart decisions for themselves while they're in the muck of this journey, which is hard. So I'd love to hear your your approach there. And I know Karen probably wants to say something about this because I'm sure you're thinking the same thing, right? Absolutely. How you convert what you want now to what you want the most. And those two acknowledgements are so powerful. And I love how you take your clients through that to shift the power. Like we, we shift the power financially, you shift the power internally to make really good, confident decisions. And you're doing this on your own. That's amazing. I, I love watching the process. That's fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. I feel really blessed. I really, really love what I do. And and to see the results and see people like make decisions and feel good about them today and tomorrow and three years ago, and that that was the right decision because it was in alignment with their passion, their values and who they are, because they took the time to consider the impact. Because a lot of the times, you know, we make decisions out of anger. And if we don't take you know, a lot of my clients, he's like, well, I, I really want to hurt him because he really, this was his pride and joy, this cottage, this kichale, this is, we have to really heal that. We have to understand that, yes, what what's really behind, you know, underneath an anger is sadness, exactly. you know, it's rejection and to really uncover that and heal it and understand it. So then what's the thought, you know, and then, you know, things come up like this was all my fault. He told me to hire the nanny. He told me to get therapy. He told me to, I didn't listen, right? Or for example, in the case of men, I work with a lot of men. They're like, I, you know, they feel very guilty that they cheated. And so let her have the house. Let her have my dream. Let's give her more. I'm like, so why, you know, let's talk about that. What I'm terrible. I'm guilty. I'm disloyal. I'm, you know, what else was true? I was neglected. I was sad. I had emotional needs to be seen and heard and have my sexual needs met. And she hadn't had sex with me for a year, you know? And and so not to excuse the behavior, but when you get empathy for yourself and empathy for what you were going through and that it does take two to tangle, then you can still be remorseful and you can still feel without that heavy guilt that's going to really then not make the right financial decisions for yourself. Yeah. And so your family. Really, yeah. And your family. Exactly. And that happens, you know, a lot with women that feel guilty about neglecting their husbands or about their affair. And so they don't protect themselves financially because they feel guilty and they give, I'm not going to fight for alimony. I'm not going to get child support. And then they're struggling. So it's like, what happens? Right. You know, what's so great about coming through your process and doing that is that you're not paying an attorney or two attorneys to fight over these emotions because as we know, the more conflict, the more they're going to make, right? So you're not working through your problems. You're actually creating more of a problem 
by just not getting to the root of these decision-making and not having the knowledge that you need to make really good decisions. Right. And especially if you are making financial decisions that hurt the other person, they create so much anger and antagonistic behaviors that if you have young children in the middle, it's catastrophic. So a lot of the work I do with achieving an amazing divorce or a healthy co-parenting relationship is let's just dissect every single thought you have about your ex. He's an asshole. He's egotistic. He's a narcissist. He's he never listened to me. And you know, because this is this is why we want to hurt them. This is why we want to take them to the cleaners. This is why. So let's really look at it. He's an asshole. Why? A list of 10. Why wasn't he an asshole? A list of 20 usually, right? And there's that understanding that they were hurting too, right? And hurt people who are hurting hurt others, right? He had childhood trauma. He not to, you know, you're not with him anymore. That's great. Not because you want to increase compassion means that you're going to want them back or you're going to, but they're hurting too. And if once we do that exercise, it is magical because it goes, it changes the thought again. If you think he's an asshole, you're going to be angry. You're going to feel abused. And when you, the lawyer calls, you're like, go for more, take him for more, take the kids, <laughs> take it's normal because we think they're an asshole. But if we think they did the best they could, a neutral thought, or they think, or you think he tried his best, or he's hurting, right? Or he needed help. Or he didn't make good choices. Right? In, in, Whatever. The, the emotion is drastically different, and therefore the action is more compassionate, more fair, more balanced. As I said, I don't give advice. I don't ever talk about keep this not keep this invest here keep the house it's more how is that affecting you how is that making you feel what are the thoughts what are the beliefs and when there's a recurrent negative belief like i'm not good enough i'm not worthy and we do this work and it doesn't help is because there was more complex trauma in that person's childhood that then i personally refer them to a deep healing modality therapist, which is what I interview on the podcast. How can you heal that profound limiting belief that brain work and mindset and thought process is not helping? Because if you have a core, core belief that you're not worthy, you're not worthy of the house. You're not worthy of the assets. You're not worthy because I didn't work because I didn't cook. I, I get that comes up a lot. I was a terrible cook. Oh, yeah. My husband didn't like the food. My kids didn't, you know, I'm not worthy. Yeah. Then wow. it's all these issues at your office because they are not, they're like in awe that they have $5 million in their net worth and they don't deserve it. Right. Right. And they don't claim it. They don't want it. Or it keeps the divorce dragging for three years because so we work on a lot of worthiness. Why are you worthy? What did you do? Huge list, increase their worthiness. And if there's issues from childhood, most of the time, my dad never played with me. I wasn't seen. I wasn't considered. I wasn't prioritized. I was the fifth of, you know, boys and I took everybody's hand-me-downs. They're used to hand-me-downs, right? So it's really, really allowing people to see what's keeping them stuck. And it's usually negative thoughts and beliefs. And let's understand where they come from. Let's try to heal them so that you can achieve what you want and do what you want to start doing and stop doing what you want to stop doing. I love that. So your book, An Amazing Divorce, 
I'm sure it takes people through that journey of sorts of how to start that process of breaking down those thoughts. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? So people will understand that would be great. I'm actually going to do a second edition on the book that focuses more about that. The first part of the book is sharing my story and what I did with the divorce, which was number one, what do I want most? So a lot of the vision, like for me personally, I had kind of lucky that my parents had separated for a few years when I was in my 20s. And it was so painful for me. Like you think I was married, I had my first child, I'm a grown up and I was still felt like a child right? Like, what? <laughs> what am I going to do? Where am I going to go now? I'm splitting my weekends. And my parents were actually able to stay, like spend time together with the kids. And I, that was so beautiful for me. You know, so I explain about how important it is for our children to keep us normal, to be able to see their parents together to able to see them spending time, enjoying time together, because that's what they know. That's what they're used to. That's what they saw. And so for me, that was a big, what do I want most, right? I made the wrong choice. I married the wrong person. I stayed way too long. I, this was my mess up. How can I minimize the pain for my two children at the time? So that was one, get, you know, one, our ability to stay together and our ability to get along. So then it was a lot of thought work, choosing what I wanted to believe. So if we were fighting over money or he was spending too much or he was, I could think he's an a-hole or I could think he needs help or he needs it more. You know, like I always kept the children and those guiding of what I wanted the most. Every single time I wanted to email, every single time I wanted to text, like, what do I want most? I talk about spiritual values. I was reading a lot about uh, Deepa Chopra and going with the flow and just not doing unto others what we don't want them to do on ourselves and about giving and gratitude. And so the more you give, the nicer you are, the nicer they are. But the core of the book was my focus and healing. Because when you start looking at you and you stop looking at them, and what they did to you, and you're the poor victim that they didn't hear you, they didn't listen to you, they cheated on you, they, 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 it creates that whole cyclone of anger and collateral damage. But when you focus the attention on healing you, focusing on you, and that's what I I did, I started going to um, EMDR therapy twice a week, the minute we got separated. And I made that focus on me. I'm like, wow, I wasn't heard. And I wasn't hurt for 17 years in this marriage. And I wasn't hurt in my entire childhood. And that's why I allowed it. It's not that he's a narcissistic asshole. It's that I did not stand up for myself. I never said, this is not what I want to do on vacation. This is not what I want for art. You know, I didn't have that. And so why didn't I have that? Why did I allow it and heal that young part of me who wasn't heard, who wasn't seen, so that I could demand that for my next relationship because I'm worthy. Um, I have a voice. I know what I'm doing. I'm smart. I have degrees. I'm capable. Why? There's a lot of very ambitious, smart, professional women who don't have a voice at home, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what happened to me? And when that focus went to me and my healing and going back there and healing this inner child, it took a lot of that anger and that victim. And then the, he's an asshole. No. 
I didn't show up for myself, right? Yeah. It's right. my issue. And therefore, I'm not going to blame him on everything that I allowed. He's him. I can't change him. That's why we're no longer together. You know, once you're beyond 40 and you don't want to change, you're not going to change anyone. That's but, fabulous. So, so I talk a lot word. about EMDR, which I have six episodes on the podcast. You know, let's focus on our healing and the importance of healing so that we minimize conflict. And my ex-husband did the same. He started going to therapy with emotionally focused therapy that made him realize that everything I was telling him for the last 17 years, that he didn't hear me that he neglected me, that he let me go. And so he took responsibility for his actions. And he said, you know what? I lost you, but we're going to do the best we can for these children. And that's what we did. We started walking them to school together every day. We had family dinners every Wednesday. We kept our family cottage for four years post-separation. And we spent weekends there together with the kids. We became friends. I then met the love of my life now and I'm happily remarried and they became best friends. And this was after 17 years of marriage. Wow. Awesome. So because it can happen. Lot. It can happen. <laughs> it can happen. Incredible. They became it. buddies. Like they go out for coffee. They go out for drinks. My husband was trying to get him to pick up girlfriends at the time that he thought they not like that. Like they became oh friends because gosh. we were both so mm-hmm. focused on our healing and focused on what we allowed he allowed a lot for me to, and we just took that responsibility. But I think the, the cornerstone of all, other than having a vision and knowing what we want most was that focus of healing. And that's why I called my company heal in because we need to look inside. We like got to look in, look at our thoughts, look at our beliefs, look at our wounds so that we can start taking ownership over ourselves and empower ourselves to have a really good divorce. Hey, we fucked up. Absolutely. That's okay. Yeah. Human. No one taught us better. how to love. No one taught us how to relate. No one taught us how to be a wife or a husband. No one taught us how to parent. So let's have compassion, but let's take ownership. And how do we want to live the rest of our life? Perfect. Karen, where can our audience find you? They can find me on Instagram at healing with Karen. They can find the podcast on any podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play, Healing Podcast, or our Instagram at Healing Podcast, and on my website at healing.net. And it's healing without the G, is healin.net. Awesome. Thank you so much. What a fantastic conversation we had today. This concludes this episode on two things you must acknowledge to get you through divorce. So we hope you enjoyed the conversation and check out Karen's book and we'll see you on the next episode. By the time my divorce was over, I was actually in a better place financially than I had ever been in my life. That's a quote from a My Divorce Solution client, Sarah, a divorced mom of three. We know the thought of divorce can leave you feeling scared, angry, and overwhelmed at the unknown path ahead. The first step to feeling in control of your future is to know what you have and know what it means to you. That's why we create a financial portrait for each client. Financial clarity that secures successful divorce outcomes for your family. If you're looking to navigate divorce with financial clarity, not fear, guiding decisions, head to our website at MyDivorceSolution.com. To get more information on how the financial portrait secures your worth and protects your wealth. Thanks for joining us on another episode of WeChat Divorce. 
We hope this episode was informative and supportive on your divorce journey. If you are looking for more support for navigating divorce with confidence and clarity, head over to MyDivorceSolution.com for more podcast episodes, divorce events, and resources for your divorce. We'll see you back here for our next episode.